to all my people if you're into He-Man The Skeletor, the unofficial revelations companion It's more than a cartoon, I'm here to let you know Masters of the universe, revelations, for sure We breaking down the episodes, this is what you need in Before He-Man, grab somebody and start eating From Evil Lynn, Clamp Champ, Teela and the Man of Arms They have the power, so come and join the squad Yeah, dear Skeletor, the unofficial revelations companion Let's go! Welcome to Dear Skeletor, the unofficial companion podcast to Masters of the Universe Revelation. Join us as we recap each episode, celebrate the things we loved, and discuss the other aspects that we may not have liked as much. I'm Forrest, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, John. How's it going, John? It is going... Okay. All Sorry, right. you got you when you were reading. I was actually mid stretch and just decided to go with it. I, <laughs> so you you really brought that uh, the big stretch energy into that one. Yeah, you know, I was like, yeah, I gotta get ready. He's gonna ask me how I'm doing. Let me. Oh, I mistime this. So, there you go. <laughs> and so and so here we are. Yeah, you know what I just realized, John? I have a bit of a squeaky podcast chair. It shows up on the record, and I don't know. Now I feel like it's part of the texture and palette uh, of, you know, our podcast, and I can't change, but it is quite a squeaky chair. If you hear a squeak in the background, it's a me! (laughs) Don't believe it, folks. He's just, you know, claiming that. There it is. Oh, so many squeaks. Okay. That's a a squeak? squeak. It sounds like you're kicking like some Venetian blinds or something. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't hear it as a squeak, squeak. Well, it's a very uncomfortable chair. It's like a, it's more like a stool. I have a very weird podcast setup right now, and uh, yeah, so I'm sitting on like a wooden stool, and it's um, it's very uncomfortable. I have this sort of like semi bar thing that looks into the kitchen. It's a lot less uh, impressive than it sounds. But I uh, I bought one sort of bar stool type thing mm-hmm. uh, with the you know intention of really buying like you know three or four, but never did. So this I got this one weird stool and I use it for podcasting and it squeaks. I mean I guess I could put oil on it, but that takes effort. Yeah, I mean you could also buy a new stool, but um, hmm. Yeah. hmm. I mean, you know, uh, you know, problems sometimes need, you know, interesting solutions like that. (laughs) Sometimes you gotta think outside the stool. That's a phrase, right? Yeah, yeah, all the time. Every time I walk by a Burger King, I'm like, yep, think outside the stool. (laughs) Well, you know, uh, you know, uh, talking about thinking outside of things, I, uh... I thought outside the bun today, so I've got I've got big Taco Bell energy right now. So if you uh, if you hear that stool, that's what it is. Yeah, um, I guess still spelt the same. So uh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know that that kind of scatological humor, I think, is very appropriate for today, since this episode. Season one, episode two, the poisoned chalice is uh, features a fan favorite stink or stink or 
It's like stink or don't stink. Or yeah. More like, uh, like stinker, stinker. <laughs> you know that stinker? Stink or. Or. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a lot of that this episode. Hmm. Yeah. I'm just going to come out and say it right off the bat. This episode is uh, an uneven one for me. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard. Oh, well, first, spoilers. There you go. <laughs> yes. Yes. This entire podcast will be filled to the brim with spoilers. Although, I don't even know. I mean, I guess if you are tuning into us because you're like, I need some more of that manufactured outrage first off sorry to disappoint you won't find it here only thoughtful critique and appreciation uh these are the things in this domain <laughs> these are our tools yes use to dispense uh something commentary yes <laughs> and we don't rely on magic no Magic are the outdated ways of the past. We are we are fully invested over our mastery of technology. As your chair just starts squeaking in the background, yep. right? <laughs> and then it goes, yep, my mastery. <laughs> it has something to say about me. You know, that's why I didn't get the role of Triclops. I mean, if you listen to me just now and then Henry Rollins in this episode, mm -hmm. I think you know why. <laughs> Henry Rollins got the uh got the uh the nod for this one. That and I'm not not I'm uh, not an actor. <laughs> well, I mean some could argue that no, nah, I'm not even going to go there. Henry Rollins yep. is great. I'm, yep. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to I'm gonna move this stool out of the way. <laughs> it's now out, all I can think about. All right, all right, all right. Okay. Let's. Well, now. Uh, yep, that's right. You're gonna get big standing energy now. Oh, but you're chock full of uh, Taco Bell. I don't know if. Uh, uh oh. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I like this strategy. Before, at well, least you had like like sitting down. You had like a bend in the intestine, so you know things might <laughs> slow down. But now everything's well. free to flow. <laughs> well. I mean, tune into next episode where you will find out if this has worked out very badly for me. Yeah, big brown pants energy right now. <laughs> it's me. Fetch me the brown pants. I mean, okay, whatever. No one. Does anyone remember that joke at all? No? Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, do you want to jump right in to talk about Season 1, Episode 2, The Poison Chalice? Yes, I think we shall. Fantastic. I know, wrong show. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yep. <laughs> that, wow, that was, that's a sense memory sound if I ever heard one. Yeah. Like it, like, it just knocked me back to, like, 1984. And me watching, you know, reruns at this point of He-Man on uh, Channel 26. And just hearing oh. that filmation. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Easy. Easy. That, that's how long He-Man and I have been, like, hanging out. Maybe a, wow. little, maybe a little earlier than that. But, like, really, 
84 is when I truly started remembering that stuff. And every time I hear that filmation, it was like, it was like a promise that you're going to have like a good half an hour. You know what I mean? Like you're going to watch something that's going to make you go like, that was excellent television. So, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Can you hit me with it one more time? Of course. Ooh, comfort. Yeah. I figure we, we will use that as our elliptical edit uh, sound. So when we're starting off an episode, we're going from the talky part to the recappy part. We could use that as the the demarcation line. All right. Too many fancy words, but I'll follow you. (laughs) Look at me. I'm showing off my vocabulary. (laughs) All right. And that's, I love it. That, yeah, that's for me to stop you from when you're, you know, being a uh, Mr. Bombastic. See, uh, you're not the only one with a sort of large <laughs> vocabulary. Uh, Mr. Bombastic, tell me fantastic. It's written on my boxers. Mr. Romantic. All right, here we go. <laughs> so the... We'll get it eventually. We got five episodes to figure this shit out. We'll get it. Yeah, probably by episode seven. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That's what I'm counting on. Well, we'll save it for the next one. Then we'll not write notes. We'll forget. And then we'll make the same mistakes that we're making now. (laughs) That's that's our charm. If you can call it that. Yeah, I mean, like on the other show... We don't care so much. That's right. Pop Saga, our other hit pop culture uh, podcast that everybody knows and is listening. Why am I even bother telling people about it? Yeah, like the people are literally hammering at my door telling me to stop. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. we have to me. go testify before Congress next week. Yeah, I shouldn't have said those things. I should not have called that little John. Um, <laughs> and if you're wondering what that's a reference to, check it out. Yeah, it might or might not be there. I forget if I took that out. <laughs> I might have taken it out. <laughs> uh, that's fair. It was a long yeah. bit. It it definitely was. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so that's the poison yeah, chalice. No, you yeah. go ahead. You're, you no, you, you are go the, ahead. You, no, you go ahead. You are the captain of this ship. I am merely a stowaway. The Poison Chalice, Season 1, Episode 2. Why do you say it so menacingly? Mm, I mean, there's a lot of menacing stuff in this. There's a lot of people who are menacing, or are they, in in this episode. Yeah, I think it's the more are they? (laughs) More on that. uh, It's definitely more on that front. But right off the bat, John, I wanted to ask you, what is the show's obsession with hooded figures at the start? I, f- I figure it's that mysterious stranger type of appeal that you get from like a role-playing game or something where it's like, we need to go on an adventure. Look in the corner. Oh, there's a hooded f- figure who offers you gold. But in this <laughs> instance, it's more like, oh, here's some hooded figures inside a... <laughs> uh, I don't even know. Was it a house? It looked like, so th- this actually, this is something that kind of, the the setting of this first scene sort of unfolded to me as well as we watched, or as I watched it, um, because 
yeah, at first it's like, okay, is it a shack? Okay, but it's a shack that's built around the mouth of a sort of overgrown cave. Okay, wait, no, no, it's not a cave. It's a tunnel to under some roots that is the trash dump of a small town. Oh, man, that fucking town must reek. It, well, it, we know it does. So there's a, I have a lot of questions about this town, but in the few times that we get to see the, the, the people who live here, they all have clothespins on their noses because it's so stinky. Now, I, I imagine because that's, that's because they're being sort of haunted, I guess, in a way, by stinkor, but um, it's weird. It's weird. They never really, I mean, I guess the explanation is in the visuals, but it is a little bit of a, an interesting little detail. Yeah, I guess we're just to assume it's hope. I mean, the way that whole mound of garbage looked, I would assume that like even if Stinkor wasn't there, it would still smell pretty bad. Smell like Fisherman's Wharf during the day. Yeah, yeah, it would definitely smell like low tide, and Oof. like especially when the sun comes beating down through the 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 gaps in that the I guess that root root lattice that makes up the 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 sort of roof of this room yeah warming up that 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 stank just yeah, just superheating just, just, some stank yeah i mean it definitely got the point across if they wanted to make sure you understood that it stunk in there it it definitely looked like it did yeah it, it definitely did and i think just to see stink or was fun uh of you know course. immediately when um the this character we don't know yet we're not introduced to them yet but they're talking about how much it stinks down there i immediately knew stinkor was there <laughs> like you know that he's going to make an appearance yeah it would have been weird if it would have been like you know one of the rock lords or something <laughs> <laughs> mecha neck yeah, ooh, uh, his, his stanky <laughs> neck and then they just run away and this episode is about something else um but one of these uh hooded Unintroduced figures uh, finds a uh, gauntlet in the trash pile, and I guess that's where Stinkor was keeping it. Yeah, I mean, not yeah, Stinkor never struck me as the most professional of like the evil bad guys of the original series. So, yeah, sure. I mean, I guess this is just his deal, right? He's very he I mean, is. But thematically consistent at the very least yeah but i mean does that have to really be his deal like just because your name's stink or doesn't mean you gotta be letting off that funk all the time i mean you know, <laughs> you know he, he looks like a giant skunk which strikes me that he should have some control over his abilities i mean i i remember the original toy didn't all they did was either like and the rumor was like they pour patchouli oil into the plastic, and that's how they got that nice funk in there. But uh, I think it's uh, like yeah, some other type of chemical creation that they did put in the plastic. So that's why the parents who've always tried to like shampoo and clean their kids' stinkors never was able to get rid of that <laughs> that funk because it, it was truly a part <laughs> of the toy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, it just strikes me that this is something that the Stinkor voiced by Jason Mewes. So, you know, he finally showed up in the series, only took two episodes. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think he actually does a great job. Yeah, I, great. you know, the first time I saw this, I did not know it was Jason Mewes. I think he's doing a very not Jason Mewes voice. I was actually really impressed. Yeah, he put forth like you know some additional effort. Um, it definitely had Jason Mewes energy to it, which was enjoyable. Um, yeah, it, like you said, it was really cool to see him, and you know, really pretty close to his original look. So it, it was cool to catch him in the scene. Yeah, and um, it, what ensues is a pretty fun fight. We see that. Uh, uh, one of the hooded figures, now we know it's Tila, of course, and she's got a cool transforming thing. It's like a baton that tra- it transforms into a bunch of different things, but she uses it as sort of a propeller to st- uh, blow the stink away and then really knock Stinkor into somebody's food cart. I'm glad to see that they included a scene of Tila like making amends, like giving him some money to to fix his his uh, food uh, like stand because they just I mean it looks like they just leave Stinkor there, so this town's gonna still have to deal with Stinkor. So it's a uh, it's good that she gave him some money so they have and because he's gonna probably have to fight Stinkor <laughs> or something or like you know buy him off or maybe when you know like Tila. And then left, maybe someone just shanks uh, Stinkor. Yeah, maybe, right? As soon as they are out of, uh, you know, earshot, they just, like, the entire town of anthropomorphic uh, animals just descends on Stinkor. Oh, they rip him asunder. That's fucking metal. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, they just just go feral and rip him him up. I guess, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe that's just where he lives, because everybody was anthropomorphic nah. animals so nah yeah i mean i think it didn't just, seem like, like it no i mean also because everyone else was kind of like on the smaller side well stinkor looked like he is definitely hitting like the juice hey you know maybe not everybody there is into hgh and crossfit well they better be if you got a stinkor showing up stinking up your town <laughs> better start lifting some weights so or, this this gauntlet they got is the glove of uh globe glo- globula? Yeah, for one second I thought they said globulus, you know, like the fucking bad guy from G.I. Joe the movie. Right. And I was like, no, that's globula. It looks cool. It looks sure. definitely magical. This is a really deep cut. It is, so- but it's it's just really like familiar. But, like, I had to look it up to kind of understand what I was looking at. Right, because I don't, I mean, it was pl- published exclusively in issue five of the United Kingdom edition of the Masters of the Universe magazine. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about a deep cut? <laughs> yep. So I had, it sounded like um, the name uh, Globula sounded familiar to me. Like, I was like, oh, that seems like some other He-Man character or Masters of the Universe character I've I've heard of before. But, yeah, when I looked at it, I was like, no, I haven't. <laughs> no, I haven't. I can't say that I have. Way to deep cut me, Kevin Smith. Way to deep yeah. cut me. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you really, uh, you, for shame. We, we, uh, we wallow in our shame. Uh, much like Stinkor wallows in his stink. 
Um, but uh, this is a very important artifact to the priestess. They're in a church of some some kind. They've delivered the glove to a priestess, and she informs them that you know it used to be super full of magic, and without it, her followers didn't know what to pray to. Gotta hate it when that happens. <laughs> yep. I gotta hate it when you know you put something up and like everyone's going there, but like I believe in that shit, and then all of a sudden have that uh, just take it away from you, and then nothing to believe in. So you just go back to your uh, apartments or homes or wherever you live. <laughs> whatever, a... whatever happens in this town, we only really get to see the area around the church, even though we go back to this mystery town several times. Yeah, not named. Nope, never mentioned. Never but, mentioned. But apparently it's a place where they love the glove. It is so rad. Um, <laughs> which I think is a better joke than the one in the episode, if I might be so bold. I mean, you might as well. Like you said, this episode's pretty inconsistent overall. Mm-hmm. So some no glove, the, no love. Yeah, it was not a. I, I was like, mm, no, you do not pass the muster. I do not approve and, of that joke. Yeah, I think that it. I feel like that was a because it's a condom joke. Um, so ha ha ha. Um, but I do feel like it was a campaign of some sort. Uh, it's like referencing a real life campaign that was done, I want to say in the maybe late 80s, early 90s, uh, promoting safe sex. Yeah, so uh, that's a deep cut that no one will really care about. I, I thought it could have been a campaign that like Body Glove did. <laughs> no Body Glove, no sex. <laughs> you suck without Body Glove. Oh, but I, I wanted to go boogie boarding. I really did. <laughs> yeah. All right, it is a song by M.O.D. M.O.D., No Glove, No Love. the fuck is M.O.D.? Who is uh, M.O.D.? Method of Destruction. I don't know. 1989. I don't know. I don't know. All right, okay. Okay? You do, you, yeah, okay. I just looked it up on Google. Yeah, okay, 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 I hear you. Okay, calm down. No! No, I will not calm down. Method of Destruction! M.O.D. Wait, <laughs> wait. Looks like the album has, like, a shark that is judging a man, and he's got a powdered wig on. Wait, okay, hold on one second, though. Yeah. Is it M.O.D., and then they say Method of Destruction? No. And is that their full name, or is it Their just- full name is Method of Destruction. As far as I can tell. Okay. All right. No glove, no love, huh? All right. Okay. So was it the lead singer right this? <laughs> I'm listening to it now. Okay. <laughs> That's great. I cannot hear it. I don't know. We we cannot hear what dun, you're listening dun, dun. to. Okay. Doom, doom, doom. Doom, doom, Yep, yep, okay. I've heard enough. It definitely sounds as good as that joke. Anyway, let's, let's, <laughs> okay. let's, move, let's move on. <laughs> I like this. That was completely worth the journey. I, I, uh, you know, sometimes you don't know that the journey is so good until you get to the destination. Yeah, uh, true. True. Say that every time I go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> 
even know what to think. Okay. <laughs> Just let it wash over you like stink or stink. Yep, I do. You know, like I said, I live in the stink. Um, but uh, we're finally introduced to Andra, the engineer. Yeah, neat. Yeah, she's part of Tila's mercenary company. Um, they're just taking whatever jobs pay the best, and that's fun. That's a really fun. Um, that's a fun way to start out an adventure. As a longtime paper pencil role playing uh, fan, I would have to say that uh, the whole mercenary company is a great way to get people off to interesting places. Yeah, I agree with you there. It seems like. Um, you know, she's making the uh, tech for Tila to use while Tila is just, you know, beating up everybody. So she's kind of like the brains where Tila is more the brawn in this instance. Yeah, and we find out in this scene that Tila has a real um, uh, problem with magic. She will talk about it a lot this episode, but she... After being lied to for so long and, and just like all the crazy, stupid magic things that she had to deal with, she's just had it up to here with magic. So she is definitely in the camp of, uh, hey, you don't need magic or, or wishes to care to, uh, you know, protect your stuff. You just need more tech. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, you get one of those uh, simply safe security systems. It's just as good as, you know, magical orb of death. If I would have a one plus up for this episode, I would say make Tila and Andra tech salesmen as well. They're also mercs, but they're also like, what you need is more tech, and I've got just the thing. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> it would be so funny if they were like kind of hucksters. That would be... uh. Or I guess not hucksters, but they would be like really taking like they're the security company that comes and takes care of your security problem and also says, hey, it won't happen again as long as you've got this Tila brand motion sensor. I like it. That's a uh, uh, Mattel, if you're listening. Mattel, like Kevin Smith, we can plus this up. Yeah. Right. Sorry, wrong show. Sometimes I still got to remember we're doing something different. No, that's that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing is when people want to get these inside jokes, they're gonna have to go back to the pop saga. So got it, got it. <laughs> yep, it's I'm, we're leaving little breadcrumbs. Fair enough. But uh, you know what happens when you're in a big building and it's got lots of corners and shadows and stuff. There's in invariably somebody hiding in it, <laughs> listening to what you're saying, and uh, this is no exception. Uh, we get introduced to a new character, Majestra, the old lady that sounds exactly like Evil It. <laughs> yeah, not really trying too hard there. I mean, even the name itself would make me go, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what did you say your name again was? Yeah, because then when uh, Tila and Andra come over and are entertaining this new job offer... You know, they kind of sarcastically guess, oh, uh, you want me to get a magic chalice? Let me for let me guess. It's I bet it's a magic chalice. And she's like, no, it's sentimental. And at that point, I would be like, what's your deal, lady? You're called Majestra, and you want just, like, some cup? 
There's got to be attorney in Amazon. Like, just buy yourself another goblet, you weirdo. Yeah, I mean, it's also sus where the lo- where the goblet is located, though, right? <laughs> right. I mean, she gives it away. She's like, it belonged to a dear friend. My best friend. Okay, first off, that's a lot to unpack there. I have never once in my, uh, in all the times I've, I've seen He-Man, I've never once thought that Evil Lynn and Skeletor were best friends. <laughs> Have I ever told you about my best friend? <laughs> like they're just like playing tetherball. They're on the tandem. Park. Yeah, tandem war sleds. Like you know, paddling fishing. swan boats around the around the lake. Yeah, fishing a land shark out of the you know water and stuff like that. Yeah, no. Like I've always figured it was very much a mutual. Uh, use like relationship. Evelyn's like, I think I could take over someday, so I'm gonna use this guy to get there. And then you know, when he thinks he's all like, I am the, you know, the ruler of the galaxy. You know, I just push his ass off a cliff, and then I become the true ruler of the galaxy. I always felt it was uh, mutually based on distrust, but. I do like this take of the reason why Evelyn would ever hang out with Skeletor in the first place. Maybe there there was a bit of friendship that, you know, we didn't see. Yeah, I I don't want to uh I don't I don't want to disparage the concept necessarily, but it was just funny to hear it phrased that way. It's sort of like um it just is something that kind of doesn't belong for some reason. Although I think the phrasing is very purposeful because there's a lot this episode sort of plays with mirroring earlier and later events, um, you know, in order to get across a point of the plot. And when, uh, you know, because they kind of talk about later that Tila and Adam were best friends. And then they talk in the first part of the episode about how, Evelyn and Skeletor are best friends. So these are two sort of even just like they were in the toys. These are like two halves of the same coin. There's, you know, Tila is the evil or the good uh, part of the coin. And, and Evelyn is the, of course, evil part of the coin with a name like that. What could you be anything else? But um, I think that was so that I think from that, I think it's purposeful and deliberate from that perspective. Uh, as you were saying it, that makes sense as far as being able to see the duality between these two groups, the goody goody two shoes. And then, you know, mm-hmm. the, the dastardly evil doers there and the parallels. So now that makes sense why that line was kind of put into play. Yeah. And it makes, I think it's a, it's a shorthand that you need to use in a 20 minute episode in order to get to the heart of the issue. Having said that, it's the same problem I have with when you're watching Star Wars and they mention something that is intrinsically part of our existence, like I'll see you in hell or, uh, you know, talking about a duck or in the sequels, even when, you know, uh, Finn is like, you do you have a boyfriend? And it's like they call them boyfriends. And this is like, I, <laughs> it's just such like it's such a colloquial word 
I get why they use it, but in that moment, it sort of takes me out of the experience, and I think this is sort of uh, a similar situation. Yeah. I, I, I get that with some of them. You, you know, my, my whole thing that always takes me out of the situation was like something is truly called the same thing it here on earth. But usually when it's like animals or material things, usually when it's like hell or wise ass or any of that, because we, we were actually just watching, uh, rewatching Mandalorian season one. And in episode six, uh, Bill Murray calls Mando wise ass. And the first time I saw it, I must not have registered it. But then the mm-hmm. second time I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is weird. Whoa, did they, they curse in Star Wars now? Is this a thing? But it was it that one did take me out of it. But yeah, know. I think Poe Dameron at one point says big ass. But one of the things that I like to like, one of the things I think uh, I can't forget who or I sorry, I can't remember who said this, but somebody said about like when Han Solo says that I'll see you see you in hell. They're like, oh, well, Christian hell exists in Star Wars. <laughs> I just love that concept that it's like, of course, I mean, that's where it comes from. And uh, it, it, was, it would be weird if he said it unless. But of course, in Star Wars, they always have that ability to be like, no, it's like uh, it's a planet called hell and everyone hates it. <laughs> yeah, it's really hot. I mean, like Mustafar, mm, hotter. Mm, it, no, no, it's it's filled with lava. You mean like Mustafar? No, no, it's also filled with sharp obsidian stones and black spires, like Mustafar. No, it's different. No, no it's also <laughs> filled with robots that harvest lava for some reason. <laughs> it's also filled with conveniently repulsor platforms everywhere and that that stuff can repulse the hot lava but nothing else can (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah you know all those things that are so well thought out but um (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah it's just a it's an interesting turn of phrase and i think it was um it it was the kind of thing where you know I think the same thing with no love no love these are things that like I've heard before in my life although I obviously I didn't know what from um uh and uh you know it's just the, it's the kind of thing that can uh, um sort of momentarily bro- break your immersion but I don't think it's like it's not the end of the world or anything yeah especially not for this episode no no there are other parts that are just kind of like okay. But uh, I think, you know, I mean, uh, that's the thing about this episode is that it has some really high highs, but also compared to the first episode, it's just overall not as strong. Yeah, no, I I agree with you there. I mean, I was excited that at least here that they were going to Snake Mountain, so we'd get to see that again. Yeah, and I think... um, I think what kind of is even more of a treat is that we get a little flashback uh, before we get to Snake Mountain properly. Um, And we see, you know, because we're kind of establishing Tila's bona fides in terms of like how she knows the stuff about Snake Mountain. And so they they uh, flashback to a moment when her and He-Man were fighting Whiplash 
and uh you know going in through the wolf door the side door of mm-hmm. uh snake mountain yeah no i like this scene a lot it was, it was it i mean you know i can sort of understand where people were going to get upset the fact that he man exploded in the last episode um, <laughs> but at least it was nice to get these flashbacks with him in it so you weren't like completely deprived of he-man if you felt that way for some strange reason but also yeah kind of you know like echoing that she's also been there with him the whole time so like they were both it's kind of in that instance that was a shared experience between them you know both being heroes and stuff like that so i like the scene yeah, it showed how close they were and how how they were, truly were partners in their adventures. Um, and the thing about this series is that, like, I if He Man is your favorite character, I can imagine being momentarily upset when um, when you know, especially the, at the events of the first episode, but. what ends up happening is like the entire show is about getting back to He-Man. And I think that in that way, the show is more about in his absence, the the show is almost more about He-Man than it is about, you know, it's obviously about all the rest of these characters, but he plays such a huge part of it that, um, that yeah, it, it makes me, it, it makes it more interesting to me because he's it's so his presence looms large throughout this entire episode, even if he's not actually in a lot of the scenes. Yeah, I agree with you. I could see that, you know, if He-Man is your, if that is your dude, you know, you're going to go like, oh my God, what's going to happen? But then you kind of see the level of impact that he left on the world and how important he was. I mean, how do you think I feel? Skeletor blew up too. And that's my favorite guy. <laughs> yeah, like, right, me too. This is called Dear Skeletor. The dude's gone after the first episode. What are we yeah. going to change the name? We're yeah. going to change it to Dear Cringer. Well, maybe. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, at this point, maybe we should just call it Dear Blank. And, you know, dear to be filled in later yeah i mean can't, we can't assume stinkor survived right maybe he truly wasn't ripped asunder because then it could be dear stinkor and um yeah i'm sure we can get jason muse to come on the podcast yeah. just kidding jason muse i would never insult you by assuming having, you on, having you on this show no we're, come on. we're too low bro your station yeah no kidding yeah Oh man, like we could have called it Deer Trap Job, but I think after watching this episode, I forget Uh-oh. if he shows up. <laughs> listen, uh, listen, I mean, we um, we did a better job calling it, let's just say, we did a better job calling it uh, Deer Skeletor than Deer Trap Job, because, uh, you know, spoiler, spoiler, uh, <laughs> Trap Job is not coming back. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think so. Or if he is, he's just going to be all jaw. Like, <laughs> They just call him Just Jaw in his next form. He's hanging out with Mechanic. <laughs> we are the Grossos. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. There's actually, so this, I like this part. Uh, I especially like the flashback. And I like how it fades to 
to present day and we see oh you know they've gotten quite an upgrade there's like instead of just being the wolf door with like a portcullis it's um it is uh like covered with lasers and tech and motion sensors and it's a real it's a it's suddenly very uh techy in, in a way it would never was before and then tila says well you know okay we can't go in through there but there's only I know of a secret way, you know, they won't expect be expecting me to do this. And Andra's like, well, do you have something that will go through, you know, solid steel? And she like pulls out her baton. It transforms into a shovel. She smiles, commercial break, and then the door is open. When you have a MacGuffin rod, you can do anything, dude. This this thing turns into whatever she needs it to turn into. Yeah, it does all the time, <laughs> like all the time. Like it was funny yep. actually when she's spinning it around in the bow staff form to get the stink or stink out. I was like, why not just turn it into two giant paddles? It seems like it would do that. Yeah, I mean, I mean like turn into the shovel. That seems like it would be a a more effective uh, propeller or you know fan and anyway. But yeah, oh yeah. So they never explain how she gets the doors open, well, uh, but she her. Digs- pl- she digs through the trap door. So the trap door they show in the flashback that she almost got caught. She opened that portion art and dig through the ground that way. Well, no. Okay. I get that part. What I'm just yeah. saying is like, she's like, how do you get through solid steel? And she's just like, ah, and then the door is open. Like they don't show her opening how she triggered the trap door mechanism. And then she just digs through with the side of a mountain. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Yeah. All I'm saying is when my wife and I watched this together, she had the exact same question. She's like, wait a minute. How did she get it open? And I think the only reason why we're asking this question is that they make a big deal about posing it in the episode and they just never pay it off, which is fine. It's a small sort of nitpick, but um, it was one that kind of was like, huh? I guess if there was a commercial break, I probably would be more forgiving of it. Because I would just be glad the commercials were over. Oh, well, fair enough. Yeah, I didn't really <laughs> think about it. I just like, yeah, okay. I was just more. I was just more like, you have this really cool baton, and one of the f- features is it turns into a shovel. I mean, <laughs> yeah. very useful. But I, you know, like I'm, I'm going back to the pen and paper days. You kind of mentioned it, and, and if someone gave me that. You know, if I saw one of the features of Shovel, I would have really tried to con the GM into making me turn that into a, I don't know, a gun or, you know, something sure, else. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right. a battle axe, a mace. It's like, I don't really want a shovel, you know, but in this instance, <laughs> she found a use for it, so good on her. Yep. Yeah, because she knows the the one weakness of Castle Grayskull is that it is, uh, sorry, of Snake Mountain, is that it is built into a mountain, so... You can, and if everyone knows, if you've got a shovel and enough will, you can just dig through. <laughs> I like, I, I, I would like in my head cannon when they come out inside of Snake Mountain. It's a week later, <laughs> they've been, <laughs> like they've been digging for a week. Yeah, no, everyone knows the base of Snake Mountain is just topsoil. It's real easy to move around. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, so that's why it's a. Uh, Nothing grows there. It's like a. It's just gardening soil. No one ever plants anything. It's weird. I mean, it could. You could have a a lot of like an orchard of just beautiful fruit trees, but no one no one bothers to do it. Maybe it's the no. lava. I don't know. I'm not a botanist. 
Definitely not. But inside Snake Mountain, there are also no trees, but there is lots of new pipes and buttons and screens and what have you. Yeah, this is the weirdest looking Fry's Electronics store I've ever seen. Yeah, you know, they do a lot of, like, each store, for those of you who uh, aren't on the West Coast or where Fry's are, uh, you know, because a lot of them have been closing down. Uh, each store has its own theme, and it's actually fairly intricately themed, or it was at one time, and it has fallen into disrepair. But yeah, this does kind of, this does kind of look like a uh, fries. Wow, I have a lot of man. I am just burping nonstop. I have been drinking this uh, June Shine. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, it's a uh, hard kombucha, and uh, yeah, not not a good idea before a podcast. But bear, <laughs> so let me apologize to everyone who's listening, and bear with me as I burp talk through the rest of this recap. You want to try to get it out of you first? Nah, you sure? It's not gonna. There's there's no end game here. It's just gonna keep happening. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um. But, uh, yeah, lots of fun tech, lots of purple rocks, and uh, a hooded, another hooded figure appears, and this time, it's a Borg from Star Trek! What a crossover. Did you realize they were going to do a crossover in this episode? Yeah, that's why this one's not my favorite. Yeah, because it has a next-gen crossover in it. Yeah, you know, like, they're like, hmm, how do we make uh, Star Trek The Next Generation cooler? Well, let's put a robot in it. Well, you already have a robot, so let's put more of them in there. But they can look like yep. garbage. It, this this episode is the Star Trek Next Generation of Masters of the Universe. <laughs> of course. So, uh, Tila and Andra steal, they mug a couple cultists, and they steal their robes, and so they're able to infiltrate the main chamber um, where uh, we see uh, Triclops. Triclops is back. And he has become a cult leader. Me gotta do something. Skeletor's gone. The magic's left. He, he, uh, Triclops has always been the technology guy. So seems like a perfect fit to form your own cult. So, you know, good on you. Uh, yeah. And who better to do the voice to, of this character than Henry Rollins, who is, again, everyone on the show is really giving it a thousand percent. I didn't, when I heard Henry Rollins was doing this, I know he is like a super talented musician. He's super talented, like a spoken word poet. And I've seen him act in quite a few things and he's good, but just because you're a good actor doesn't mean you're a good voice actor. I'm sure you've run into that as well. Um, And I just didn't expect, I I thought it was just gonna be like, oh, that's Henry Rollins. But I don't know. It sounded great, I thought. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed his performance during this. You could truly felt he he believed about the motherboard. Which, <laughs> yes. Which you want to talk about something that took me out of it. Which is like motherboard, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, and you are, I just wait for you are transistors and, you know, voltages. And I was just, uh, just I get it. I, I know you need to make this about tech, and I mean, I know it works, but motherboard just—I don't know—just graded on my soul. Yeah, when he says like "mighty motherboard," it it works because he is selling it. But like, there are there are definitely so that part didn't really 
uh, wasn't really grating for me, but there is a part later when he says, in the name of robotics, automation, and the holy sprocket, that I was just like, ugh. Because I don't know what it is about, so I'm not, <laughs> it will surprise nobody to to discover that I'm not an engineer, but, uh, like. I mean, you can't even fix your stool, so, yeah. yeah exactly, squeaky stool for the whole time I owned it, but, um, like, what is a sprocket? Like, is, is it, I'm sure it's like a gear or something, but all I can think of is the Jetsons. And I know that dates me, because who even knows what the Jetsons are anymore, but. Uh, I, I like I started raising my hand like I did. <laughs> we don't see each other when we record this. <laughs> so I'm just like me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like they they are they're all about sprockets in uh in the Jetsons and that it just like I know because I know it's supposed to be the like a stand-in for the Holy Spirit. But it's just like, ooh, it's just maybe you're reaching a little too much, and it, that that line took me out of it. No, I I, I hear you. I, everything here just, like I said, it just reminded me of a Fry's computer store. <laughs> yep. like, you know, crazy shit on the wall, neon eagle thing. I don't know what the bird was. You know, big old neon bird. You know, like people like trying to tell you about motherboards you don't need. Uh, yeah, trying well, to upsell you. That's what that struck me as the whole scene. Yeah, he really upsold that that pilgrim that came to to you know follow him in the new way, and he fed him out of the goblet. Of course, uh, Tila and Andra see that the goblet that they were hired to retrieve is in the hands of Triclops, and he's using it to feed a gross liquid of nanobots to his followers. Which then transforms them Borg-like into these sort of half, these crazed half-human, half-cyborg uh, people. Yeah. Like, I mean, you look in that goblet. You're not drinking it, right? Like, maybe you're 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 going. You're like, you know what? I I need a change in life. Magic is gone. I've heard about this group at Snake Mountain, which would be, like, red flag number one. Red flag number one, of course. You know, and everyone who came down with me has glowing eyes. Maybe the eye is, like, you know, popping out of the socket and moving around. So that that tells me I don't want this. And then when I see the nanite liquid, I'm like, nah, you know what? I thought about it, but I'm not drinking this. This guy (laughs) got through all of that, saw the liquid, and was like, "Mm mm-hmm. Drinks it. it. Yeah, it's like, fuck it. I, I got nothing better to do. Thinks he's feeling good about himself for a second. Panics. And then gets a buzzsaw hand? Yep, and a gross eye. A little tentacle eye. Does the nanites just do that to you? Like, or do you tell it, I really want a buzzsaw hand? Or... I, it, I think like, it's just random. That's even worse. Like, I'd yeah. be like, hey, you know, can I get, you know, I re- really would like an impact drill hand. I think that'd be pretty cool. I'm sure, sure, yeah, at least practical. Yeah, exactly. Like a buzzsaw hand that folds out. It, it seems like kind of a raw deal. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. So, you know, through the horror and, like, surprise of uh, Attila and uh, Andra seeing this for the first time, 
you know, Tila snaps out of it. They've got a plan. Uh, Andra's going to go try to get the goblet, and uh, Tila's going to cause a diversion by revealing herself to the cult and um, all the the members of uh, of Triclops's uh, gang, which I should say we should say for the record are right now we've only seen uh, Whiplash and Trapjaw are here. Yeah, but then we get you you then we get probably the coolest one of them all. Uh-huh. Yeah. Blast attack. Blast attack. This dude is great because he's the stupidest villain I've ever seen. Yeah, cuz as we were talking about earlier, a lot of the humor in this episode doesn't really land at least for us. Um, but I think Blast Attack is hilarious. This like the whole time Blast Attack is on screen is is genuinely funny and uh fun. Yeah, no, one 100% cuz it it was a little self-referential there. You know, like when we see him it, for the folks at home who don't know Blast Attack, uh he blows up. That's what he does. He, he's mm-hmm. just a walking bomb. He's just, <laughs> just a walking bomb. Yeah, just Boom, that's it. There, there's there's nothing more to him. There's nothing less. He looks kind of cool, and he definitely looks cool in this episode. Uh, but, you know, every like he's not the guy I keep around. He's the guy I keep at the front <laughs> no. door, maybe, but he's definitely not the guy that I keep around. Yeah, because twice he gets kicked into a wall, his, bla- his self-destruct activates, and he has to um uh deactivate it except the second time uh andra throws a cool little shuriken into his uh his giant chest button so that keeps him from disabling the uh countdown that time and he does explode and he i think he kills whiplash as well yeah i mean whiplash was really probably the most transform transformed like no organic tail, his was all cybernetic. He is all mm-hmm. like teched out compared to like when we see him originally, where it's just you know normal whiplash with yep Your whatever he's supposed to whiplash. be. Yeah, whatever he's supposed to be. You know, there he was, and then uh, yeah, Trapjaw gets a uh, buzz sawed in the face. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh... They buzz him in the face. Yeah, he. It's kind of confusing, but like right away, Tila starts dismembering that poor pilgrim. He gets the poor that pilgrim guy gets really. Uh, he gets the the short end of the stick, um, and like chops his arm off right away. And then Andra picks it up later and sort of activates the buzzsaw and the collapsing mechanism mechanism and then just collapses the buzzsaw right into Trapjaw's face and they don't show it thank goodness but there is a sound effect that lets you know that that saw made contact and went right through yeah it definitely sounded that way it sounded like you know when you go to a uh, honey baked ham and they mm. got, like, <laughs> the, uh, you know they're cutting it on a little meat slicer kind of had yep. one of those like when you're like Ah, yep. Trapjaw, I knew you well. Uh, yep, yeah. R.I.P. Trapjaw. He is. I would be very surprised if he returns with like a bandaid on his forehead. Oh, if he if he does, I'll, I'll actually be disappointed. I was like, if you're gonna kill him off. You might as well kill him off. 
Like Ye- yes, I I would hope he learned his lesson from not eating that arm fast enough. <laughs> yeah, he could have done it. He could have eaten that saw. <laughs> you know, doing like the you know Nathan's hot dog eating contest. <laughs> yep, got he that dip that arm, arm in water. water. Yeah, he's just oh my god, he's Kobayashi. <laughs> <laughs> Dipping him in fucking lemonade. He's all, 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 all. Yep. <laughs> How many arms does he eat? He's up to seven people. <laughs> yeah, no. Trap Jaw, we knew him eh, barely. Yep. So we say goodbye to Blast Attack and Trap Jaw. We barely, we barely knew them. And I think Whiplash as well. But uh, Triclops uh, survives and uh, he gets to glare at. Uh, uh at, at our escaping heroes as they as they escape through the room with the acid pits and uh scary tentacle monster in it. Yep, yep. The best home defense is a tentacle monster in your basement. Yeah. One thing we didn't really touch on but is interesting about this scene is mm. that uh Triclops sort of breaks down why they are, you know, they're doing their own thing and they've invested, you know, sort of uh, they're following technology because they have completely lost faith in Skeletor, much like Tila has lost faith in anything that she knew when she was part of the, you know, part of the royal family living in the palace. They have similarly like sort of the fact that Skeletor is dead has confirmed what they have always sort of thought about him with that. He's not the master of destruction. He's the master of failure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that also, this sort of also mirrors Tila's reluctance to embrace magic or her outright rejection of magic. They also do that, but it's sort of, it sort of holds up a dark mirror to her, um, like to her beliefs, right? She sees like the, the extreme of her anti-magic stance. Yeah. I mean, that's all it's. I feel like that's almost why this group was created in the first place was to move like this feeling along, but I don't know. It's a little, it's a little ham fisted. I mean, uh, yeah, a little bit. It's a He-Man cartoon. So I'll, I, I, that kind of sort of in your face, uh, metaphor i think is fine i'm fine with it but i agree i mean i like the cult i really loved uh triclops every time he was speaking or on screen i think it was just awesome i love his stupid little his cult leader outfit um and the way it's integrated with his his regular triclops outfit is is great um but yeah it was a right it it's kind of convenient i think that this is how it happens to uh how these events happen to to progress but uh no time to think about that because uh our heroes are back in this nameless town and they have to turn in their fetch quest yep the side quest is completed um they did it yeah but they didn't realize this quest is a two-parter and the second part is an escort mission boo you're the, the worst type. Yep. Whenever you have to do them, you're like, what? Can't you run faster? Can't you move with the grace? I can I can get on my mount. You don't have a mount? Fuck. Like, I just gotta <laughs> walk with you? This is terrible. <laughs> exactly. 
the the worst the, this these are the these are the downsides of the old fetch or the old escort quest but um i think in this scene we get to see andra stepping up and proving why she is such a valuable partner to tila because whereas tila is depressed and traumatized by having her whole life be revealed as a lie oh so many years ago it seems like it's been a long time um uh you know andra is still like plucky and heroic and whereas tila doesn't want to have anything to do with castle grayskull because that's where they're off to next um and certainly with any sort of heroics andra sort of drags her back in and uh it's nice to see someone kind of break tila out of her funk she because she was you know she was uh, a bit of a grumpy gus this whole episode <laughs> yeah i mean you can definitely see the world has not beaten up on andra yet she has not experienced the soul. Yeah, that's true. You <laughs> yeah, know, she, that's true. Machinations of like going to work and having to throw trash out in a dumpster, then having the trash bag break open, and then all the the trash in the bag falling on you. The juicy concessions and everything just hitting your polyester based suit and just soaking in there, which means you're gonna have to take it home to wash it, and uh, you know try to dig through another box of pants to see if you could find one your size because you don't want to smell like jalapeno juice and ketchup and hot dogs and seems like a personal story uh, no it's fine yeah no it's what tila did Uh, it's what what you do yeah tila did that all the time yeah i'm I'm talking about tila (laughs) and she used to work at the movie theater yeah, get ready for our uh, for our companion podcast to this podcast, Talking Tila. Anyway, um, maybe we should call it Talking Tila. Anyway, oh well, well now well, let's let's <laughs> let's wait and see how this all plays out first, <laughs> right? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. This is uh they're not a uh, they're not afraid to um, uh, sacrifice a few of your favorite characters on the altar of story in this one, so. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't curse any uh, of these characters we like by naming a show after them. We're we're batting we're we're one for one so far in terms of uh, of uh, naming our podcast after something and then that character dying. Yeah, yeah, that's not that's not strong. It would have been like if we would have named like this, like you know, talking Tarkin. Talking yeah. Tarkin, and then we started like after the before the first Star Wars came out. Yeah, we're like, oh man, I can't wait. Have you seen this guy? He looks so cool. He's in gray. His name's, you know, Grand Moff Tarkin. We gotta name it after him. Oh, of course, look how cool he is. And I was like, he's a Grand Moff. Grand Moff. What is that? I don't know. We're gonna learn so much about him through this whole series. It's going to be great. What do you mean he blew up? <laughs> What's that now? Oh, wait, um, spoilers. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, so they are at not really, I don't know why they're not calling it the Hall of Wisdom, because it is the Hall of Wisdom now. It's not, it was the Castle Grayskull when that was the illusion. Uh, now it's the Hall of Wisdom. So why don't we just call it that? I guess it's not as people don't have a connection to that yet, so... I mean, yeah, no, like that came from uh, the 2002 or 2000 X Masters of the Universe was the Hall of Wisdom. So, got it. You know, if you weren't into that, it was like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, they have like they have uh, 
they have Andra sort of speak as the audience because she's like, wasn't there a big skull? <laughs> yeah, here, I'll put it like this. Uh, Cesar Chavez Street in San Francisco is Cesar Ch- has been Cesar Chavez for like 20 some odd years. I still remember when it was called Army Street. So I will sometimes refer to it still as Army Street. And then I have right. to go, you know what I mean? So like Castle Grayskull might have been gone for a few years, but you know, I'm not calling it the Hall of Wisdom. That's, you know, Castle Grayskull after, you know, got flipped. Yeah, I got I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's yeah. it's people, you know, it's to locals, it's uh Castle Grayskull. If you're new to the area, you know you're new to the area when you constantly refer to it as the Hall of Wisdom. Yeah, like yeah, you know, it's like when someone's like, I'm going to Soma, you're like, what's that? Oh, you're just going, you're going to be on the other side of Market Street. In this instance, I'm going to the Hall of Wisdom. It's going to be great. Hmm? What you, <laughs> it's that Hall of Wisdom? Oh, you know, right over, it's, uh, overseeing a bluff. Oh, you mean Grayskull. I don't, you know, yeah, the Hall of Wisdom. Or, you know, how? <laughs> right. Well, it's a, I mean, it is, it is a bit of a generic name, but, you know, it is, it is like you said, it's, it's honoring, uh, the past of Masters of the Universe. Um, but inside the Hall of Wisdom is the Sorceress. I guess she has not left uh, since the uh, the horrible initial happenings in the basement of Castle Grayskull slash the Hall of Wisdom. And, and uh, she is looking a bit, uh, a bit older. Yeah. And um, she's got in her hands an ember of magic. And uh, Majestra walks right up to her and starts talking a lot of shit. Yeah, well, you know, when your name's uh sounds like some sort of fiber drink, uh you're willing to talk a lot of shit. Um, I thought it it sounded like a uh, a car Mitsubishi would make. The Mitsubishi yeah. Ma- Majestra. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess I'd drive one of those. <laughs> that sounds cool. Yeah, sure. It's a weird-looking uh compact crossover, but uh you know, it's uh, the price is right. Yeah, get you if it gets you there. Doesn't matter what it's called. Exactly. Uh, you know, I mean, at least at this point, I like the fact that Tila, like us, knew who she really was. Yeah, I was going to ask you: Do you think that she knew the whole time? I, I really hope so. I hope it wasn't like. I mean, literally, when I hear her, I'm like. You sound a lot like Evil Lynn. Like, yep. <laughs> like you're doing a little bit of a voice, but not enough for me to be like you're not Evil Lynn. And then when you're like, oh, I need to get this goblet. And oh, by the way, it's in Snake Mountain. That's where your friend was. I'm, I'm figuring at that point she would have put two and two together. Um, yeah, and just did it anyway, just trying to see where it would go. Because you know the big thing with Tila is like the conflict, like you're pointing out. You know. First, she realized her friends and loved ones lied to her the whole time. Then, you know, magic betrayed them. You know, magic was part of the betrayal. So she wants to believe in tech. She wants to focus on what she knows, what is tangible. And then, you know, this experience here. So I think in this instance, she was just trying to see where it was going to, even though she didn't really want to hear what anyone had to say about it. You know what I mean? Like she's like, I'm going to go there and just be like, okay, let me see what she's up to because I know she's up to no good. 
Well, I mean, that's what and- Andra said, certainly. She was like, well, you know, because Andra didn't trust her. And she said, hey, if she's going to Castle Grayskull, we have to go and just see what her plan is. I like to, it, at least in my head canon, I feel like just like we did, Tila figured it out the minute that Evelyn slash Magestra was talking about her friend in, in Snake Mountain uh, that she wanted, like, to get this goblet. Uh, you know his his goblet, and I feel like at that point Tila realizes who it is, but she's thinking in her head, okay, as long as they it, she'll pay, I don't care because that's kind of her affectation is that she is she's concerned about money, she's concerned about herself, she cares about Andra obviously, but beyond that, she's not she's not a hero, she doesn't want to be a hero, and she doesn't really want to help people, so. I feel like at that point she realizes it, but it figures as long as the money's good, who cares what this is for? She doesn't believe there's magic is gone. So what's she going to do with a goblet anyway? Um, and then when she's like, oh, do the second part of the quest at that point, she's like, nah, don't want to done your quest, have the money, don't want to do anymore. Uh, and then, yeah, of course, um, uh, Andra is able to pull her back in to that experience, but I'd like to think that she knew at that point. Yeah, that's what I'm going with, and, uh, you know, if anyone knows differently, uh, keep it to yourself. I'm going to live with that headcanon, and I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, unless you're Kevin Smith, then, then reach out to us. Yeah, Kevin Smith, <laughs> We'd if love you're that listening, yeah, please, <laughs> we can have you on the podcast. Sure, yeah, we'll just let you talk for two hours. I mean, you're a, an amazing orator, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. W- whatever. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna beg. I might. It depends on how serious it gets. If it, there's any, if there's any inkling that it might happen, I will beg. Okay, so now it is John's mission to get Kevin Smith on the podcast to make. Okay, and a, getting a buying a cameo from Kevin Smith does not count. Fuck. <laughs> I'm sure that's against like cameo rules anyway, but um but begging? Podcast? <laughs> no, no, like like having them say something you use on your podcast, I think. Uh cuz you have to like show the the watermark. I don't know. I don't remember. I looked it up. I was I was debating getting a cameo for somebody. Oh, wait, hold on. Will you say of who? Or are you uh, keep that to yourself? No, I was just looking around. I was just seeing who was was available. You're like, man, uh, should I get a cameo from Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man? Or <laughs> I was like, ooh, Dolph Lundgren, but he's uh, a little pricey. Really? Yeah, he commands yeah, quite a uh, he commands quite a, a hefty sum. Good for him. Absolutely. I mean, you're yeah. Dolph Lundgren for goodness gracious. Yeah. One of the He-Mans. One of history's yeah, I mean, He-Mans. I mean, my favorite live-action He-Man for sure. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so far. Yeah. Hey, but, he's uh, been in the only vehicle that has launched an actual Masters of the Universe. Look, that's all that's I can true. say. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. That's it. I mean, that, uh, you're, you're 100% right about that. But I actually have a another question because at one 
Evelyn is revealed. Um, it is also revealed that this goblet is the Havoc Staff, or the head of the Havoc Staff. Um, so what gives? Why? And also, what? <laughs> and, and Triclops was using the Havoc Staff as a goblet? So it also works as a... I, there's, I have so many questions, obviously. Yeah, uh, I'm going to try to answer them in order. Okay. Uh, sure. Mm-hmm. Why not? Oh, yeah, okay. Can change. Huh? And she left it there. There you go. There you go. Well, uh, I mean, I guess in the first episode, they do kind of show it, like, sort of uh, coming together out of what looks almost like a fluidic state. So I guess it could just change into whatever, huh? Yeah, I mean, it is magic. Or at least it's a magic focus. So Sure, I mean, it, it has some magic left in it, apparently. Yeah, I mean, but the last person we see with it is Evil Lynn. Mm-hmm. Right, so like... What happened? Had, yeah, so did she go there and was like, oh man, Triclops is on a rager. I gotta hide it real quick. Boop. Turn it to <laughs> a, you know, a drink cup, and I'm gonna get out of here. I'll come back to it later. Or was it something that she planted knowing that she would need to pull Tila into this to, you know, hopefully be successful with the, the grand plan or, you know, their grand plan? You know, yeah, there, there's a lot of questions of why it was not only there, but why it was changed, why it changed shape. But I figured if anyone could know how to manipulate the Havoc staff, it'd be evil then. Yeah, I, I mean, you're, I think you're absolutely right about that, but... So it turns out she's not being evil at all. She's being good, Lynn, because she actually brought the Havoc stack here on the sorcerer's request, and um, she's using it to fortify this magic ember into uh, more of a sort of substantial orb of magic, who mm. the sorceress then passes off to evil Lynn to, um, and sort of uh, invests all the rest of her magic into it, and then Evelyn captures it in her scepter and then immediately uses it for exposition. <laughs> I was like, no, there's so little left. Stop it. Don't don't just tell her about it. You don't, She doesn't need the visual aid. Yeah, don't spawn it. Don't waste your precious life magic. Don't do that. <laughs> it's Don't do it for a light, a light show. This is a... Uh... Yeah, so that part uh, was funny because she immediately, uh, you know, uses the magic. Although I guess if you were a magic user, the minute All you the got fucking like time, yeah, All and you would time. just be like, oh, fine. It would just be like, oh, I can find like you know when you're you've been on a long flight and you finally stand up and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, that feels so great. This is yep. probably the same thing. She hasn't been able to use magic. I mean, I guess she did disguise herself. If I had magic, I'd use that shit. All the time for everything. I'd be opening your sodas with it. I'd be making drinks with it. I'd be changing the TV channels with it with by pushing the buttons on the TV magically. So, you know, I'm yeah. with her on that one. I mean, I wouldn't yeah, have wasted totally. it, but you know, might as well. It looks cool, right? <laughs> might as well. I mean, it does get the point across quite effectively. And we also see that Cringer has been hanging out in this area, I guess, sort of protecting the sorceress. And, uh, man, uh, Cringer, uh, went from scaredy cat to wise cat because he's got all the answers. 
Daddy does. It's it's weird to see like, you know, Cringer talk as much as he did. But um <laughs> Yeah, and and without like saying one super cowardly thing the whole time. No, not whatsoever. It definitely felt like, you know, he could reflect um over his time there while protecting the sorceress. Because yeah, I'm with you on that. That feels like why he just stayed. Um and you know, Steven Root did such a wonderful job with this. Yeah, he puts scene. a lot of emotion into this into the scene. And um I think this is a really interesting it's a little bit of a stretch to sort of get um, Tila, you know, sort of back in the good graces of her of her friend Adam, and sort of uh, you know diffuse a little bit of that anger she had by reminding her that that you know like He Man slash Adam wouldn't have sacrificed himself if he didn't think there were he would leave behind people that would be able to continue on the mission of protecting uh, Eternia, and I. I like that. I, I think it works. It is a little sort of like, okay. It's like, what would Adam do? Like, oh, okay. But I I think on on balance, uh, overall, I think it works quite well. It might be a little bit of a stretch, but at the very least, um, you know, it doesn't assuage her anger in the other episodes either. It's just confronting all the different things that she's mad about. And, you know, she still kind of maintains that through this whole, you know, this, the whole five episodes I did. So while it was a little bit of a cheat, I don't think it was that big of enough of a deal for me to go like, Oh, come on, man. Like you were really pissed at the end of the first episode, but now you're kind of all right at the end of the second. No, it's just more realization, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, I think at, at some point you have to step back and see, this is like a 20 minute long episode of a cartoon so or 25 minutes or whatever so they don't have a ton of time to like really work through these things in a way that you might expect from like a prestige television show or whatever and it's fine it gets the point across and i i think it still works um so we now we have the main quest now they went to the main quest giver and they have the main quest they have to reunite the two halves of the power sword and to do so, they have to go to Preternia and Subternia, which I'm going to call Postternia from now on. It's Preternia and Postternia, and which are uh, essentially heaven and hell, um, as Andra points out. And um, they're going to have to get those two parts of the sword, reunite them, and reforge the sword of power because. Uh, it is the only thing that will connect the magic back to Eternia and basically save the entire universe because since Eternia is at the center of the universe, if it rots, if it falls apart, then so does the universe. Yeah, that's why in the last episode I said the power sword was the most important thing. It's, cra- it's crazy that that sword is so responsible for, like, everything. and. Everything. You're not kidding. Everything in the universe. It seems like a crazy Achilles heel to have, but it does. uh, But it's a it's a really cool looking sword. So I totally can grok that. Yep. Yeah. Totally acceptable because the sword looks so cool, and I, I think it's sort of framing it in that way and showing how like just massively cosmically powerful the power sword is gives you a better idea of like how he man could perform these 
these uh, feats because, of course, like Man at Arms says, he's the most powerful man in the universe. And that's, you know, I think because he is like literally has access to the most powerful object in the universe. Yep. Yep, and so uh, Evil Lynn, Andra, Cringer, and Tila set off to find the only man who could reforge the Sword of Power, Man-at-Arms. I really wish it was Gul'dor. Yeah, it would have been great if they had brought Gul'dor into this, I think. I mean, I think just because, like, spoiler alert, you will be seeing Orko at some point soon, or next episode um you i think you kind of can't have both of them but i would love that i would even love just like a cast off line like if someone was like uh the only person i know who could reforge the sword of power and then someone's like quildor and someone's like no no (laughs) (laughs) that's like no 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 no, not not quildor He steals people food. You know, he's busy. He's he's just gets high and plays the cosmic key. Yeah. <laughs> While listening to Dark Side of the Moon backwards. Yeah. It lines up perfectly. Yeah, that's great. Give me that barbecue sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I'm addicted to ribs. <laughs> um <laughs> No, don't no, yeah, not Gwildor. He's got that rib addiction. We can't we can't yeah, he's he's too far gone. Um but uh, yeah, so now we have the premise for the next episode, uh, and that's it. Credits. Yeah, that was an episode. Sure was. Yeah. Uh, what did you think overall? I know. I mean, you've kind of let it be known. I think you've kind of <laughs> let it be known. But what did you think overall? <laughs> well, yeah, it wasn't my favorite episode of the five. Um, I get why it needs to exist. I think this episode has a lot of heavy lifting to do in terms of resetting the table and introducing us to these new characters and introducing us to the state of the world as it exists after the events of the first episode. So I don't I don't envy the amount of heavy lifting this this episode has to do. That being said, I think there are just some there are some things that kind of there are plot holes that sort of take me out of the viewing experience, which is not great. And then there are also some jokes that didn't really land for me. Um, But those criticisms aside, I think uh, the, the the really solid performance by Henry Rollins was a delight. Seeing Stinkor was a, a delight. Um, and seeing sort of old and new Snake Mountain was great. Um, and I thought, yeah, the part with Cringer, Cringer and um, Stephen Root's performance was also really solid and good. So lots of highs, a couple lows. On balance, not my favorite episode, but how about you? Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, it wasn't, it, it really felt like a, uh, almost in a weird way, it was like a book and episode where it's just like, you just needed the first two minutes and then the last like five minutes. And it still would have explained everything mm-hmm. uh, just, just yeah. to get you to that point. Right. Like, okay, we have to give you to how they go about saving the world now um, or the universe now. So a little uneven. I agree with you on the performances though. Henry Rollins killed it. Uh, Steven Root killed it. Um, Sarah Michelle Geller, I think did a great job. I want to say uh, 
Tiffany Smith is Andra. Um, am I saying her name? Not sure. Not sure. Hold on. Yep. Tiffany Smith. Um, I, I remember her. She's was on the DC universe daily show. She is oh, cool. host on that. So it's kind of cool to keep everybody there. And I think she did a fantastic job. Um, but yeah, uneven, definitely not my favorite out of the bunch, uh, out of the five that we've gotten so far. And, um, yeah, the jokes were, it's weird. Cause you know, like in the first episode, the, the jokes were also very, you know, kind of on brand for masters of the universe. But in this one, it felt a little bit more like it was like, okay, okay, okay. I don't want to say forced, but it definitely felt like you, you were tagging up on the wrong, the wrong jokes for me there, but not a bad episode at all. And I love Tila's little MacGuffin staff. I don't know what it is, but it does everything you need it to do. Yeah. Just think about the toy potential of that thing. Yeah. Tila with like 50 different staff variations. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, this is the garden hoe. This is, you know, the truck winch. This is the trailer <laughs> hitch bat, you know? Of course. Yeah, it's like the, uh, it's the attorney and army knife. Oh, that's what we're going to call it until we find out what the name is. Mm, I'm just going to call it that forever anyway. All right, fair enough. <laughs> so, John, what's up on the next episode? Next episode we'll be talking about is Season 1, Episode 3, The Most Dangerous Man in Eternia. While defending a village from Triclops cult, Tila Group meets Man-at-Arms, who is struggling to keep Orko alive using the town's magic water. So, good luck. You don't need to watch the episode, because it pretty much tells you the whole thing. (laughs) Well, that'll do it for this episode of Dear Skeletor. But before we say goodbye, I'd like to also shill. So... Check out our other show called Pop Saga. You can find it in Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. It's Force and I doing this, but instead of just talking about a very specific show, we talk about a bunch of different things. Uh, from comic books, to movies, to if you want to even know how we thought about the original Masters of the Universe 1987 movie, go check that out there. Um, also, we'd love to thank Burton M6 for our amazing theme song. He kills it with every one of the ones that he's done for us. And if you're interested in having him make a piece of music for you, check the show notes for a link to his Fiverr page. Until next time, be kind to each other, because when it comes to making the world a better place for everyone, you have the power! If you're into He-Man, the Skeletor, the unofficial revelations companion It's more than a cartoon, I'm here to let you know Masters of the universe, revelations, for sure We breaking down the episodes, this is what you need in Before He-Man, grab somebody and start eating From Evil Lynn, Clamp Champ, Teela and the Man of Arms They have the power, so come and join the squad Yeah, dear Skeletor, the unofficial revelations companion Let's go! <laughs>